Great job. Appreciate y'all very much. Turn, if you would, to the book of Acts. We are, we are uh, at least at this point, unless the Lord lays something else on my heart, we're done with our uh, Sticks and Stones series, and we may uh, time to time re, re, revisit that with some different issues that come up, because there's just issues in our culture today that need to be addressed. They don't need to be wait, waited on and, 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 and let them go by, so there's things that we need to deal with. And, uh, but right now we're done with that. We're going to transition, um, have a few... Uh, Two or three services, two or three Sundays, we're going to be doing something a little different, and then we're going to launch into a new book, verse by verse study, uh, probably in a month. So uh, just be praying about that. But we're going to look in book uh, book of Acts, beginning to, today. We'll look in chapter one, and then we'll flip over to chapter three as we get into the heart of this. But the title of the message this morning is a simple title: just "From Death to Life." From Death to Life. And uh, so let's begin there in Acts chapter one. We're going to read the first three verses. It says, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, let me just say this. You cannot fake change. Amen? You can't fake change. Not real change. Death to life kind of change. You can't fake that. Now, Jesus was dead. there's, There's just really no doubt historically that Jesus lived, Jesus existed, and Jesus died. There's, there's no doubts to that at all. And the fact is, he came to life. And there really are no doubts to this as well. The evidence, if you're going to really look at it objectively and, 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 and look at all the evidence, the evidence is overwhelming to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And there's a lot of things in life today that I would have less confidence in than the fact that Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago came out of that tomb alive, resurrected from the dead. The evidence is overwhelming. Jesus' followers, his disciples and his friends saw a dead corpse. Then they came face to face with a resurrected, living, breathing, walking through walls, talking, eating Savior. They did that. Verse 3 says that to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. These proofs, these infallible proofs. Now, what does that word mean? Infallible means this. It means absolutely trustworthy or sure. It means that these proofs that the Lord presented of his resurrection, of his change, listen, from, from death to life. It is, it is irrefutable. It is infallible. It's absolutely trustworthy. Uh, another part of that definition is it's a token as defining a fact. So these infallible proofs that the Lord presented us are proof that he went from death to life, that there was a change with him. Um, it is infallible. It is irrefutable proof. And when we, when we go from death to life, there is proof. Amen. For, for Christ to go from death to life, people would have never questioned Lazarus. Was there, did, did Lazarus really come back to life? When you go from death to life, there's a change and there's proof. Now, I'm thankful that God doesn't do anything halfway. Amen? He doesn't do anything halfway. He doesn't do things in a way that leaves us questioning. He doesn't do things in a way that make us wonder, I'm not real sure. He, he, he gives great, great proof and he does everything with absolute certainty. Now, 
In chapter 3, I want you to flip over to chapter 3 because we're going to see a great miracle. And I say a miracle because we're going to see a healing, but we also see a spiritual rebirth here, and that's a miracle. Anytime, anytime someone comes to new life in Christ, it is a miracle. It is a, it is a great blessing. So we're going to look at, in chapter 3, we're actually going to look at the first 11 verses. I'm going to read the first five right now. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That's about uh, 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. So you get the picture. This man is born lame. He, he, he could not walk. He never was able to walk. And so from, from the womb, he's had to be, someone's had to care for him extra special and, and move him around. And so in that day, they would have taken him, put him somewhere where he could beg. That was part of that system, that the, how they took care of the, the, the needy, those who, were, who were, uh, had special needs or something like that. This was a way he could provide for his own needs. He would go and they would sit him there. And so he was at an entrance going into the temple. And so people would come by there and they would give alms. They would give offerings. They would give something to him. And so daily he's there begging in, in order to receive something just to make it through today, just to buy his food for that day. And then the next day he'll be out there. But here's what I want you to do. I tell you, and I haven't said this in a while, but when you read scripture, you need to read it in color, right? I, you know, I tell you, see it, see it in your mind. Don't just let the words remain on the page. Let them come alive. Let it come alive and see what's going on there. And so what I want you to see as we read this right here, I want you to see his parents hurt and disappointment. You, you, you may can relate to that. Uh, you, you may have had a, a special needs child, or you may know someone in a family, that, and there's hurt that comes with that. There's great disappointment that comes with that. Because, you know, you just want your children to be perfect. Now, this is going to sound silly, and I don't want it to be silly or trite in any way, but Jordan, when Jordan was just a little thing, she had what they called, I guess the doctors even called this, she was pigeon-toed. She was, her feet were turned inward, and her left foot was turned about 45 degrees, and her right foot was about 30 degrees. And I remember when she was first trying to walk and she was, you know, she was, had her, her feet were turned and, and I, I just, you know, we took her to the doctor and they said, oh, she's going to have to wear braces. I just had Forrest Gump in my head. I had all these different things that popped in my head when I heard that, but it broke my heart. It broke my heart because my baby's supposed to be perfect. She shouldn't have these problems to have to deal with. But it was a simple fix. They just, they just set her with a, with a brace. They put her, put her out 45 and out 30 degrees, and, and they put it a certain way, and they had it connected with a bar so that her feet wouldn't move. They put, we had to put her feet in there. And when she napped or when she at night, she, I mean, for months and months she had to do that. But it corrected the problem. His problem couldn't be corrected. He was, he was lame. All this time, he's been lame. And so you see, see his parents, see their hurt, their disappointments. You see his disappointment as a child, as the other kids are kicking the ball around, they're playing games and stuff. He couldn't participate in those things. There was disappointment he has a child. He never got to run and play with the other kids. Then as he got older, he couldn't work. There was nothing he could do to, to, to take care of himself, to provide for himself. And so you see that, and you see how, how disappointing that would be for a man, especially in that culture in that day, not to be able to provide for his needs. And he felt like a burden. You have to, you know, that's what I see. He's a man that, that he felt like a burden to someone else every day of his 40 years. 
He's just a burden to someone else. Hey, someone else is all, I mean, I, I know we relate to that. Because, because we, we don't, sometimes we have a need, we won't say anything to anybody because we don't want to put anybody out. This guy had to have somebody carry him every day or he wasn't going to eat. Someone had to take him to that gate and set him there. And so every day he goes outside that gate, that beautiful gate, and they, and they set him there and he, and he begs. And all he can do is sit there and beg and hope his, con, his condition would provoke from pity, uh, some pity from someone. And so I, I question, do you see him? See him in your mind. See this guy in your mind. Now, what does he look like? What, do you, what does he look like in your mind? Because when I see him, I see a guy that's got tattered clothes, maybe. He, 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 as I think about him, I think he looks dirty. He, he looks scruffy. Looks like he's, you know, he hasn't taken care. That's what I see. That's just what I see in my mind. Now, think about what's his demeanor as you're looking at this guy. What's his demeanor? You're standing back and you're watching him. You know, I see him look up only when, when uh, somebody's coming. He sees, you know, he realizes somebody's coming. He looks up. He looks up to see who's coming. He looks up to make eye contact, hoping that they're going to give him something and help him out. Uh, he doesn't want to miss, you know, when, when someone is coming by and might give. But mostly, I see him, he looks at the ground. I, I, it, His look is, is hopeless. He just, he just sits there and he looks at the ground in absolute hopeless. He's just hopeless. He's been at this gate for so many years, so many days and so many years that it all just runs together. It just runs together. He, 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 he wouldn't even, you know, other than knowing his age, he may not even know how long he's been doing that. His hope is to get enough money to eat today. His tomorrow holds. Whoo. Wow. His tomorrow holds another day at the gate begging. His outlook, hopelessness. He looks hopeless. As I see him, he just looks hopeless. But his outlook is hopelessness. Tomorrow's not going to be any better than today. Next week won't be any better than today. Five years from now won't be any better than today. He just has, it's just hopeless. Do you see him? Can you see him? Now, can you see yourself in that man before you, before you met Jesus? John Phillips captured it this way. He said, The poor lame man is a cameo for the human race. Men are born lame with no standing before God. They stumble and fall through life. They have nothing. The very best person in the world outside of Christ is a hopeless spiritual cripple. Born that way. The wealthiest man is a spiritual beggar. Now look at verses 6 through 11. And we see, we see the man. Now look at what happens. Verse 6. Then Peter, so Peter's there, he's fixed eyes with Peter. We go back to verse 4 and fixing his eyes on him with John. Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who had, had, was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. Now, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This man was born again. He was changed. He was a new creation. Everything's changed. Now, you may say, well, how do we know he was saved? We see that Christ healed him. But if you jump down to verse 16, Acts 3.16, it says, And his name, speaking of Jesus... Through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. I believe this man had faith. And his faith was in Christ. It, it was faith that healed him. And it was faith that had saved his soul. Now listen, this man's different. He's changed. And there are many infallible proofs. Christ gave many infallible proofs of the change of going from death unto life. Now here's what we're going to see this morning. We're going to see many infallible proofs of this man's salvation. There are infallible proofs of his change. Now go back to verse 8. We're going to read verse 8 and verse 9, and then I'm going to just walk you through these infallible proofs we see of a changed life, of a man who went from death unto life spiritually. Amen? Verse 8 again says, So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. So let's look at the evidence. A. I hope you got the handout. I hope you all have that this morning. You can fill those in. But A is his immediate response. His immediate response was proof. And so he, leaping up. Look, his healing was instant, and, and the response was immediate. He didn't, he didn't linger around. He didn't sit there. You know, they didn't, you know, God didn't heal his legs, and then he'd just sit there and go, I'm going to ease into this thing. I, you know, I don't want to rush anything. I don't want to just jump into something. This man got up. It says he, he, so he leaping up. He didn't just climb his way up. He leaped up. The change was instant. It was immediate. His response to what God had done to him was immediate. You know, you think about when children are born. You know, what, what, you, know you always think they hold them up. Pop, that's the picture you have. I don't think they actually do that, do they? I don't think they actually hold them up. They may have in the past. They, you, you, you see the shows and they pop them on the hiney and they start crying. Well, they want the baby to cry. They want them to get anything that's out of their mouth or lungs or whatever. Cough it up, get it up, scream it up. It's good when they cry. But when a child is born, it's not a good thing if there's, no, if there's not an immediate change, right? There's a change. They've just gone from the womb to the outside. They probably don't think that's a great thing at that moment. I, I can just imagine if we could if we could remember that interview if we could if children could talk you know an interview so what's it like being born today this was terrible this was this was terrible I was in this warm it was comfortable it was cozy I was secure and then man I'm thrust out in this cold hard world and they're shining lights on me and man it's just it's terrible look when there's that change. That, that birth, that change, it's immediate. And the response is immediate. Folks, when, when we come into faith in Christ, it's immediate. 
It's right then, and there's, a, there's an immediate response, and that's proof of salvation. B, his new foundation. His new foundation was proof. So he, leaping up, he stood. Man, Hebrews 11:1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, that substance, what does that word mean? It's a setting under, it's support. Faith is the foundation. It's the foundation. Before, this man had no foundation. He had no faith. He had no spiritual foundation. He had no physical foundation. He could not support himself. He just sat there. He sat wherever he was laid. He was carried to wherever he was going by someone else. Nothing to stand on. He could, listen, now, now like that, he could stand. He stood on a firm foundation. He stood on his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He had a new foundation. Folks, when we come into faith in Christ, we have a new foundation. We can stand. Now he was standing. uh, 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 What he was standing on had changed. He had gone from no, no foundation to now he has a spiritual foundation that he's standing on. He now had a firm foundation. He was on the solid rock, not on shifting sand. He was on the solid rock. He didn't have to ever doubt his salvation because he knew what the Lord Jesus had said and what the Lord Jesus had done. He had a firm foundation and he knew it wasn't going to change. He didn't have to worry about, well, I may lose this foundation or it may go away. No, what Jesus did was permanent. When he saved him, when he healed him, it was permanent. When he saved him, it was permanent. He knew where his faith was placed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was in someone who would not change and would not fail him. Now, I've had people tell me this before, and you've probably heard this before. They say, well, preacher, I don't feel saved. I don't feel saved. Anybody ever heard that? Some of us have said that. I've said it. And the truth is, there's times I don't feel saved. I go, wow, you know, my, I don't feel safe. But here's the, here's the thing, and I, I think I used this, this definition last week, or I said this last week, and you may hear this more. It, it's one of those things that's been on my mind a lot when we talk about truth. But what is truth? What is truth? Is truth what I feel or what God says? It's what God says. You know, I talk to people a lot about, about feelings. Well, I feel like this or I feel like that. No, 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 don't trust your feelings. Your feelings will lie to you. Well, I feel like so-and-so's mad at me. Well, go talk to them. They may, they may be. And if they are, you need to know. If they're not, then you need to know that. and get up. But it ain't about your feelings. Don't, don't, so when we talk about spiritual things, truth is not what I feel. It's what God says. So salvation isn't a feeling. Salvation is based on His truth from His Word. And Psalm 1.5 says, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Look, this man stood. It was immediate, and and he had a new foundation. He stood, and because of his faith, he'll stand in the judgment. He'll stand. He has a new foundation. C, his new walk was proof. It says that. So he, leaping up, stood and walked. He walked. He didn't just stand up and then, and then not do anything. Well, I, I can stand now. He's got a new foundation. He could stand, but he could also walk. And he walked. And his walk, it was all new. His walk changed. His way of life. When I talk about walk, we talk about, you know, what's your walk like? What's your walk with the Lord? It's the way you live your life. His way of life, how he lived, it all changed. Where he went changed. 
What he did changed. His lifestyle was different. He was a new creation. What he looked at changed. What he thought about, what he desired, his ambitions, his goals, his actions, all changed. It's different. Has your way of life changed since you got saved? Has your walk changed? Has where you, where you go and what you do and how you think and what you want to see and what you, you know, the, is your ambitions and your goals and your, your actions and desires, have all of those things changed? Has your way of life changed since you got saved? D, his new worship was proof. His new worship was proof. Continuing in verse 8, it says, and entered, and entered the temple with them. Where do you, where do you find this man now? Well, anyone who have known, would have known this man, they would have known exactly where to find this man. He's going to be sitting outside the beautiful gate. That's where he's at every day, all day. He's going to be there. That's his way of life. They take him there. They set him down. Somebody comes back at the end of the day. They pick him up. They take him home. And he hopes to make a little money to buy groceries. And so now, what has changed? Listen, he's no longer begging outside the gate, but worshiping inside the temple. See, his worship, his new worship was proof. He was going to worship the Savior that had healed his broken body and saved his broken soul. How could he not? How can we not? When... when when we understand that Jesus Christ took our place on the cross, that all the suffering and the beating and the bloodshed and being nailed to that tree and hung there to die, that he did it for us. And we come into that realization that he did that to pay for my sin, that if I place my faith in him, I, I repent of my sin and trust him by faith, that he saves me and I don't have to go through that. How in the world can I say I believe that and say that I've trusted in that and it not change me. How can I not want to worship this one who did that for me? Amen? Amen. And he's there. He's, that's where he's going. He's going to church. Too many today claim the Lord has saved their soul from hell, but, but they can find every reason to miss church. They claim to love the Lord Jesus who died for them, but you can't find them in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. Many folks only attend church once a week, and still they find it easy to miss one, that one service. When you've been changed, let me say this. When you've been changed, you want to worship every chance you get. Amen. And so I, I would question, I would question, and you should question. I'm not trying to question you. You should question you. If I don't have a desire to be in God's house, then what's, what's going on on the inside? Have I truly been changed? Because when we're truly changed, that desire changes. I want to be in the house of the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And there's people there I don't like. All right, I ain't coming to worship people. Amen? You know, the, inevitably, we got a church big enough. I don't care how small your church is. There's going to be somebody there you don't like. You've got to love them, but you may not like them. And, and, and you know, you're going to go this and that. And I think of Rocky. Oh, these people, hey, this and that and the other. And Rocky says, well, you ever think maybe they don't much like you either? <laughs> and, and Paul and Paulie says, well, what I ever do to them? You know, isn't that way we are sometimes? We don't like somebody or we don't like somebody else. And then we find out somebody doesn't like us. We go, well, what do I do to them? Why don't they like me? I don't know. That's free. 
Folks, we, we should want to be in church. If you've truly been changed, you want to be in church. And you don't let anything stop you from that. And you go, well, I don't like their, I don't like their music. Well, if you go find a church you like their music, but make sure they preach the Word of God. Amen. Don't compromise on the Word of God so that you can be entertained. Okay? I think we have wonderful music. I think we have wonderful music. Pastor Aaron does a fantastic job. This worship team does a great job. We have a great blend. I, a, a lady called me this week, and she was asking about our church and our worship style and different things. And I said, you know, we have a wonderful blend. We, we, do the, we do the older music. We do the hymns, and we do the new stuff. And sometimes we do a hymn the way it was written. Sometimes we do a hymn like that this morning that's kind of been revamped into today. And it's all good because it's all Christ-honoring music. What we're not going to do is, is not have Christ-honoring music. See, people say, well, you know, we should play more Z88.3. Some of that's just ear candy, okay? Some of that's really not, you know, I don't know who they're singing to sometimes. So we're going to, our music's going to praise the Lord. It's going to honor the Lord. And uh, so, again, all that's free. If you don't like the music, go find somewhere where you can like the music. But make sure they preach the Word of God. That should be why we're going. I don't come to church. I don't come to church. I, I, fellowship is important. I don't come to church for fellowship. I come to church to worship my Savior. Now, the fellowship, the learning together, the growing together, the bonding together, doing life together, all that is a part of this. But I come here to worship Jesus. Amen? Amen? That's why we come to church. Uh, you know, the preaching and the teaching, it's just, that's just a benefit of going. It's all about, no, 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 folks, you got it backwards. It's all about worshiping the Lord. It's all about growing in His Word, getting closer to Him. You want to's change when you truly are born again. You want to's change. You want to be with the Lord. What do we see when someone's born again or they get right with God? They desire to get into church or they want to get back to church. We had a, we had a young lady that uh, made a profession of faith at, a, at a, a memorial service recently. and Three weeks in a row she was here. She was here. She was in church. She wanted to be here. Change. I want to be there. I want to worship. You know, before I was saved, uh, all of us have these things, but, you know, I used to worship myself or... Or maybe it was a worship of money, or maybe it was a worship of your job, or maybe it was a worship of sports, or maybe it was a worship of the outdoors. Um, but now, you know what? I worship my Savior. I worship my Jesus. And, and then I want to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I do. I, I come to worship together. I come to worship the Lord, but I love to do that together. There's power in us coming together corporately together, as we pray together, as we sing together. If it, if it doesn't charge you up being here, man, there's something wrong. I say this, you know, if, if, if it doesn't fire you up, your wood's wet. Amen? Amen? If it don't fire you up coming to the house of the Lord, hearing the Word of God preach, singing praises to our Savior, your wood might be wet. You need to, you need to check that out. I want to be here. I want to worship my Jesus. I want to worship together with you, my brothers and sisters. But I want to worship with God's people. And, and, and you know, I hear people say this. You, well, I, well, I worship my own way. You know, the only problem with that is the Bible doesn't give us that option. In fact, it's just the opposite. If you go back and look at with Cain and the situation with Cain and Abel, what did Cain do? He brought his offering. He brought what he wanted to bring. It was from the increase of his work. It was all fleshly. 
And, and the Bible calls it, and the New Testament calls it, the way of Cain. It's the first false religion. I'll get to God my way. It doesn't work that way. We don't get to come to God our way. We come to God the way he said to come to him. We come by repentance and faith into relationship. And you know, if you want to go to the beach and worship, I think it'd be great to go to the beach and worship. Monday's great. Monday's a great day to go to the beach and worship. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday's even a real good day. Saturday night, even if you want to go for sunrise Sunday morning and worship the Lord. But I don't find anywhere where we're exempt from coming to the house of the Lord and gathering together to worship the Lord. It's important that we do this. Listen, it was a great proof. His worship was proof. His new worship was proof. E, his new attitude was proof. We see again in verse 8, walking, leaping. Before he was looking down, only glancing up to see when someone was coming and, and hoping that they might give him something. Now he's leaping everywhere he goes. This man is happy. He's happy. He's filled with joy. He's thankful, grateful, excited, and he's at peace. He's at peace with God. He's not had peace in his whole life. Now he has peace. He's healed. He's born again, and he can't hide it. How, how is it that we hide that? You know, I don't, it's not this way here. It might have been in the past. It's not this way here, so I can talk about this. But I, up in Georgia, when deer season starts, it got skinny in the church. Deer season started, and it's like, man, the, the, this, the, the, you can hunt any day, every day. But Sunday morning was the day everybody was out hunting, deer hunting. I guess the deer, they, they think they're tricking the deer. The deer are going to congregate together for worship service, and they're going to get them. I don't know. But, but that's one of the things, man, in Indiana was that way too. Guys, man, it was, it was very serious about the, uh, uh, the hunting. And so football season is here. We'll find, I love to talk about football. I love college football. I love college football. You want to talk about Georgia football, I'll be glad to. Anybody want to talk about the Gators, I'll be glad to. It's fun to have those conversations right now. One fun for a long time, but <laughs> Raymond's giving me dirty looks. <laughs> He's a gator. Um, but here's the deal. The things we like, things we're excited about, we, we, we don't have any problem talking about them. Politics. We talk a lot about politics. We talk a lot about football or racing or whatever, whatever thing you got going on at the day. But how much do you talk about Jesus? Because that's who we ought to be talking about. Now, I think it's great. Gina and I, Gina, we've talked about this. I go to the beach, wear my Georgia hat. Inevitably, somebody's going to say something about it. You know what? It gives us a great opportunity. Because I'll tell them. I'll say, well, you know, that, that, that football just really doesn't matter much. So what? They won two championships. So what? Ain't nobody going to heaven or hell based on how Georgia does in football. Doesn't matter. It does not matter. I mean, it's great to be able to use anything. Get in a conversation with somebody and turn it and talk about Jesus. How can we not? Our attitude ought to be, we're so excited about what Jesus has done in our life. We want to share that. I mean, you know, I'd say this. 
if walking out of the church here, you found a $100 bill, I would not do it here because then you'd feel guilty. You'd need to turn it back in at the church. Let's say you're, at, you're in the mall and you find a $100 bill as you're walking around. You'd be going, praise God, I found it. Let me tell you about that, Cliff. You won't believe what happened to me today. I was at the mall. I was walking along. I saw this thing. I picked it up. I you know what it was. It was a $100 bill. Find a $100 bill. We'll tell everybody. Y'all are going, yeah, you're right. We ought to be that way with Jesus. Man, $100 bill? That ain't nothing. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, died for you, rose again, and he saved your soul. That's what we ought to be wanting to talk about. Our attitude ought to change. People ought to see that. It says he's leaping. He has a new attitude. He's no longer depressed and run down and weary. And uh, what's the old song? If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. Some of us need to tell our face, and I'm guilty at times. Some of us need to tell our face that we're happy because the face didn't know it. And I'm guilty. You know, I, I, listen, I want y'all to understand this. I don't want anybody in here to be intimidated to talk to me because I'm the pastor. Oh, I don't want to talk to the pastor, you know. I'm, okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm Conrad. Now, God's called me, and I'm in a unique position. And I know sometimes people don't want to talk to me because I'm, I'm pastor. And I also know that I have a, uh, a serious face sometimes. Would you agree? Okay. I know it. I, I, I know it. And especially sometimes I had to learn this because I, I saw people it was scowling at me when I was preaching. And I realized they're just they're concentrating. They're thinking. They're listening. And that's what I do. So I'm sitting there. And I thought, man, if that's what I look like, they're, thinking, they're sitting there preaching, thinking I'm mad at the world at them or whatever. whatever. I, what did I, what'd, they, what'd they say that I'm mad about? Um, so I've learned. But here's what, here, if I got a lot going on, my face may be serious. But I'm just me. Come talk to me. So I'm trying to be better about smiling. Okay? So if you have a serious resting face, Randy, smile more. We don't know if you're smiling or not, man. <laughs> With the big beard, we don't know. Listen, there's a new attitude that's proof when we get saved. There's a new attitude. F, there's a new talk. His new talk was proof. Uh, verse 8, the end of verse 8, it says, And praising God, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. It wasn't just that he, what he was saying. It, it was what others were seeing and hearing. So they're he, seeing him. They're seeing he's up. He's leaping. He's walking. He's leaping. He's jumping. But he's praising the Lord. He was praising God, and they heard him praising God. And it wasn't just that he was praising God, but he was praising God everywhere. It wasn't just that in church, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, lift the TV. What is it? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Baby, present the baby, all the hand things that Tim Hawkins does. You know, um, praise the Lord, all glory. And we get out of here and we never mention the Lord. Man, we ought to be talking about the Lord everywhere. Amen? Amen. Randy and I do something. We try to, try to do this. And you go to the restaurant. It's super easy. Waitress, waiter comes to your table before you, before you, you know, when you order or whatever. It's simple just to ask them, you know, hey, we're, we're Christians. We're going to pray in a moment. Can we, is there something we can pray with you about? It's that simple. How many times have you had somebody say, no, Randy? Not often, is it? We've had them cry. 
We've had people break down and go, yes, you can pray about this. It's amazing. People have needs. And, and if you're, you're serious enough, and you know what's great is pray with them right then. Man, especially if they start to cry, just pray right then. There's, there's all kind of opportunities, folks, as we're, as we're just out here living life. Our life ought to be about sharing Christ in everything. But he was praising the Lord everywhere. Everywhere he went. All the people saw his walk and they heard his talk and his talk was new. It was different. It was full of praise for God. No longer was he begging for crumbs. He was praising God for salvation and for a home in heaven. How's your talk? How's your talk? G, his new friends were proof. And then look at verse 11. It says, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, He held on to Peter and John. All the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. Now, he's holding on to his new friends. He he had a new set of friends. He He didn't want to leave their company. He held on. He wanted to learn from them. He wanted to fellowship with him. Can't you see him holding on to Peter and John? I mean, it's almost like they're walking. He's grabbed onto their arms. He's in the middle of them. He's hanging on. He's like, you got, you ain't getting away. And, and as they're walking, and I think about this as they come to that spot at the beautiful gate, and, and, and they're, they're walking along, and can you, can't you just see him grip them a little tighter and go, if I'm dreaming, don't wake me up. Don't wake me up because this is so good. Because he's looking. That's what, man, he don't even want to look at the spot. He's thinking, that's, man, forever. I sat there. I'm not there anymore. I don't have to be there anymore. He didn't go back and sit back in the spot. I guarantee you, he never went back to the old spot again. It was different. His friends changed. Who we hang out with changes. Now, I'm not saying you just abandon everybody from your old life, but you know what? you got a new mission with those people in the old life. It's to win them to the Lord. It's to share the gospel with them. It's to tell them what you found in Jesus, the hope that they can have in Jesus Christ. But man, when we get new friends, there's evidence in that. I don't want to go hang out with the same people that are walking in sin. That's not what I want to do as a believer. His friends, his new friends were proof. H, his new testimony was proof. Verse 10 and 11 again says, Then they knew... These are all those that were watching him. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who had healed, held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to this man. They were, they, as he, they hear him praising God, the people knew this guy. They knew him. They knew, they, everybody knew this guy. Everyone had walked by him at the gate. Many of them had given him alms. They knew who this was. And, they, and then here he is. They see him walking around. And he's praising God. And they watched him, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. His testimony was no longer that of a beggar. He was now a child of God. He was filled with the light of Jesus Christ in his life. He, he let that light shine and others saw that light. He had changed. Others saw the change. And what happens then? 
They glorified the Father in heaven. That's what happens, folks. When we let that light shine, we don't have a a light to shine. That light that shines through us is Christ. And we let the light of Christ shine forth and we live out our faith. Man, people see that. They see the change. Man, it says they glorify the Father in heaven. This man, lame from his mother's womb, he met Jesus. And he, never, he was never the same again. Amen? He was changed. He was a new creation. We were all born spiritual invalids, unable to do anything to save ourselves but God. But God. Jim and Aaron, you guys can go ahead and make your way up. Look, we're all born like this man, like a cripple. We're invalids. We're just spiritually, we're invalids. We can't do anything to save ourselves. But two of the greatest words in all of Scripture are, but God. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were hopeless. There was nothing we could do, but God. Ephesians 2, 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God doesn't do anything halfway. He doesn't do anything halfway. If he saved you, you're saved. You say you're saved? Then a question one of my pastors used to ask is this. People would say, yeah, I know, I'm I'm saved. And he would ask them this. Did it change your life? Did it change your life? Because I can tell you this. If it didn't change your life, I'm pretty confident that it didn't change your eternity. If meeting Jesus doesn't change your life, you probably haven't truly met Jesus. And it really is something that you have to consider. And this morning, I, I challenge you with that thought. In my life, when, when I lived my life and then I met Christ, this is where I say I met Christ, has there been a change? Has, has my life gone from this to I met Jesus to this? It, it doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means we're growing. There's a change. There ought to be a distinct change in your life. From the moment you met Christ to now. It should be different. And, and so is it different? If it's not different, then today's the day that you need, to, you need to get that right. Today's the day that you need to truly go, Preacher, I, you know, I, don't, I don't understand this because I, I'm not changed. I'm not different. But maybe today's the day where you need to truly come into saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Christian... Maybe you've gotten away from the Lord. Maybe you're walking at a guilty distance. Maybe you're not, you're not where you used to be in your walk with Him. Maybe you realize there's some areas in your life that, that really need to be brought back to the altar and given back to Him. And uh, just coming back to a place of real dedication in your walk with Him. Father, thank you for the Thank you for the stories that we have in Scripture. When I say story, some people think, well, that's just something somebody wrote, somebody made that up. It's, uh, Lord, we know the fact that there is a real man 
who was really laid at this gate for 40 years. And the fact, if we think about it, Lord, is that you probably, most assuredly, you walked by this man many times in your lifetime. But that wasn't the right time to heal him and to save him. It was in your time. And when Peter and John are walking, and, and Lord, as they, he, they, he speaks to them, and they look at him, and, and then, Lord, you just put it on their heart. And we know they didn't, they didn't heal. Peter didn't heal that man. You did. And Peter couldn't save that man, Lord, but you did. We know that's a real man that's in, in glory with you right now. It would be neat one day, Father, when we can be in heaven with you, and maybe we get to meet these saints that we've read about and studied about and preached about and learned from. I want to meet that man. I want to meet him. Lord, as we look at his life, it's easy to see us in his life. Certainly there's a picture before salvation of the lostness and the hopelessness. There's also the picture of once we meet Christ that there's a change and there are there are infallible proofs of salvation. Lord, I, I just pray this morning that we would, we would just evaluate where we are. Have we truly been born again? Is there proof? Is there evidence? Are there these infallible proofs in my own life of my spiritual rebirth? And if there's not, Lord, if it, God, I just pray you'd reveal to anybody in here this morning that's not truly born again, that's never truly been saved, reveal that to them. Take away uh, embarrassment or shame of, well, I've told people I was, I was saved and, and I'm not. I, I'd be embarrassed. Lord, don't let them be embarrassed or filled with shame or worried about what anybody else thinks. God, I pray that they would have no other purpose this morning than to get that right with you. And Lord, if there's believers who just need to come and pray this morning and, and bring something to you, some area that needs to be refocused on you, recommitted to you, Lord, ground that we need to take back from Satan, whatever it may be, Lord, I just pray that we'll respond to that. And uh, Lord, we, we might just come and do business with you as you do business with us. Lord, I pray you'll bless now. God, again, if there's anyone that needs to be saved, I pray today would be the day of salvation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you'll stand and sing with us, Pastor Aaron.